I was kind of scared. I was like, Oh, I was a little bit intimidated. I'd done it with my own children yet taking that step with someone who was maybe 15, 20 years younger than me, you know, but a grown adult, it felt a little scary. And so while expert culture is important for some things, surgery, (laughs) yes, (laughs) engineering, I I would not want to work on a, um, a car engine or, you know, a, I cannot be a chemical engineer, but there's a lot of things in life that we can do. And for sure, one of those things is to help one another trust and follow Jesus. Renee Sproles, welcome on to the podcast here with Into the Harvest. It's a uh, it's a privilege to have you. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. You and I met a few months back. We were at a discipleship.org conference in Nashville, and I was able to sit into some of the workshops that you were teaching. You also spoke from the stage and uh, really appreciated a lot of what you had to share and your insights, especially around the topic of making disciples being ordinary people who are sharing our faith with those younger than us, or if you're younger, learning from an older believer. And so that's what we are going to talk about today. But maybe just by way of introduction, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're currently at in the world, and um, a little bit about your background. Sure, I'm happy to. My husband, David, and I have been married 31 years. And uh, we have two children, uh, Emma, uh, she's married to Thomas Goodwin, and they just had their second little girl. So we have two granddaughters from them. And we have a son, Houston. He's married to Caitlin. They've been married three years now. And uh, I was a homeschool mom for many, many years and then moved into, by God's design and providence, um, into a position at our church where I worked with our senior pastor for about five years. And that was when our church was kind of really learning about discipleship and kind of pushing Mm -hmm. it out um, to the church at large. And we kind of learned along the way what it was. And uh, yeah, I was, I was really confused. (laughs) It's really really simple, sort of like, sort of like parenting. It seemed really hard and complex. And, and as you do it more and more, um, so many things just kind of, um, from your experience seem like second nature. So that was my first experience with it. Um, we, our church, North Boulevard Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, was mentored by Bobby Harrington at Harpeth Christian Church in Franklin. And um, if you're familiar with Renew.org at all, which is a sister um, organization to discipleship.org, um, he um, heads that up as well. And so I've been surrounded by really amazing people who um, know what they're doing, and who have a lot of good resources for for us, but uh, yeah, we I just kind of jumped in there as a function of my job, and then really just kind of fell in love with it. I want to go back to something you said there. How far along, I guess, in life were you when your church there began to make this this shift in focus and and really try to move forward with more of a disciple making discipleship emphasis? Do you mind? Sharing, like how long ago was that? Oh, not very long ago. <laughs> it was maybe um, uh, maybe eight years ago, seven years ago. 
Um, so mid the teens Hmm. and, um, and yeah, it was, it, we knew small groups, but we didn't really know discipleship and they're similar. There's, it's like a Venn diagram. There's a lot of overlap there, but, um, yeah, it was, it's not been that long at all. I don't know if we relate to the game or not, but yeah. (laughs) I think it's great. I, I, I think we have many people who are probably listening or watching this today who, have sort of seen discipleship and disciple making from a distance, or maybe they've just begun to hear about it. They've been part of a faith tradition that, that, that wasn't necessarily an emphasis. And so hopefully your story and some of what we talk about today can encourage folks like that, that, uh, it's never too late to start. Um, something else you said that I just wanted to, to loop back to you, you related making disciples to parenting. Um, and specifically in the sense that you don't really know what you're doing um, when you get started. And I think that's actually by design. Um, the gentleman who was uh, spent seven years discipling me in my 20s, I still remember that was one of the ways that he described it. He, he once asked me this question. He asked, um, do you know when you're ready to be a parent? He said, when you're in your late 40s and your youngest child moves out of the house, and you, you have a moment to, you can step back and say, if we had a kid right now, <laughs> I know exactly what I would do from A to Z. And then biologically, it's interesting. God has set it up so that that's right around the time that you can't have kids. I mean, it actually becomes impossible to have kids. So there seems to be something to this where we feel like we have to have all the answers in order to get started, whether that's at parenting or at making disciples. And yet... God seems to have set it up differently. That's really beautiful. I hadn't thought about that. I always think of it in terms of homeschooling because, yeah, if I had to, we were teaching a new grade every year, a couple of new grades every year with our two children. And so if I felt like I'd have all the lesson plans and years of experience with the lesson plans, um, I could never do it. There's so much that I had to just do alongside them and maybe just be one or two steps ahead of them. And so, um, yeah, I think that maybe took some of the fear out of it for me, although I had a lot of uh, reservations, even even so. I want you to share just a little bit more. We are going to get into the main theme of today's conversation, which is discipleship and disciple making. But you actually, so from a distance, I'm fascinated by your life story because you were a homeschool mom, but you've, I would say it seems to me that you've almost had a second career here and, and a pretty amazing one. Like, so you're an author, a published author of uh, multiple books. Um, you're a podcaster and we'll have links to Renee's podcast and also her books. But even though discipleship seems to me to be at the heart of who you are and what you're giving your life to, you have some other interests. You also work with Renew.org. So can you tell us a little bit more about your work these days with in, in those different areas? Yeah, I mean, it's totally um, God's doing. He kind of opened those doors. As I said, um, Harpeth Christian Church was working with our church. And at the same time, um, our senior pastor and Harpeth senior pastor kind of helped launch Renew. And, um, after about five years at our church, my husband and I said, you know, I think it's time for something else, but we didn't really know what the something else was. And so Renew said, Hey, will you come do some writing for us? Maybe a little bit of like workshop classes and things like that. And so I did. And, um, 
And yeah, they said, will you, will you write a book? You actually, the senior pastor of our church, David Young, who has a PhD from Vanderbilt. (laughs) Well, you and he write a book on gender together. And so I started, he said, you go first and you like, give it a go, like just get your thoughts down and then I'll take it from there and we'll, we'll read it. And when he read the intro, um, which is real personal story of my just experience with gender in the church versus gender in my home and in my marriage, he was like, Oh no, I can't write this with you. This is your story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he was like, you finish it. So I wrote the first book on gender, um, which is, um, just a short little three chapter book, um, and what it means to be male and female in the church and marriage and, um, by, in God's design. And then that kind of set us off on a journey. Things got real weird in the culture with gender. Mm. And so renew just used me for like, we, I, I was interviewing, I always say I interviewed the smart people and wrote for people like me, who's just a regular person. I was trying to like make it accessible, all this great research they'd done, all this thinking they'd done, um, through about the scriptures and to try to make it accessible to all of us. And so that ended up being like, I don't know, 12 or 13 article series on Mm. renew really in-depth articles, which turned into another book. We, we took some of those and I became the general ed- editor of Male and Female, which is the second iteration and is much more a resource. You can just, you can read it cover to cover. It's, it's written in a coherent way, but it's also meant to just be, if I, you have a question about a particular topic, go to that chapter and it can stand alone. So that's kind of how that happened. It really is just it's really just God's doing. It's not really what I saw myself doing this season of life, which is why it's so exciting to walk with God. (laughs) I was going to say, that's one of the themes that I sense from, from your life is just a willingness to be available to God and to step into new and unexpected places as he leads you to do that. Um, I know when you had sent over a little bit of your, your, bio and your background, you guys have been teaching within your local church for 25 years, and you just shared that you've been married for 31. So for most of your married life, you you all have been sharing with others, particularly around these topics of following Jesus, building a godly marriage, raising children. And I think that that's actually a piece of what it means to to live a life of discipleship, is just to be available and to serve and then to step into new new chapters as as God opens those doors. So, um, yeah, thanks for sharing that a little bit. Like I said, I, I'm going to have links to um, Renew.org and Discipleship.org, Renee's books, because there's a lot more that she is involved with right now than just what we're going to talk about today. But I do think what we're going to talk about today is at the heart of, of all of it, which is this, this conversation on discipleship. So why don't we shift to talking about that, Renee? And maybe a good starting point would just be to define what, what do we mean or what will we be referring to when we're talking about discipleship? Do you have in, uh, just a go-to explanation of, of what that word means? Yeah, I, I would say um, discipleship as, at its heart is helping someone else to trust and follow Jesus. Hmm. Um, and uh, you can actually define it in secular terms because a disciple would be just someone who comes alongside you and trains, right? Hmm. Lives life with you and learns how to um, 
maybe gain a particular skill that you have or gleans from your, your expertise. So that's my definition, just helping someone to trust and follow Jesus more deeply. And that can be everything from introducing them to Jesus and they don't know the Lord all the way to taking them from childhood faith to teen, teenage kind of faith to adult, adult kind of faith to um, grandparent where they're passing it along. There's so many parallels between our spiritual lives and our physical lives. And that's because scriptures present us with, with that kind of parallels. Like even Jesus, when he described what it meant to enter the kingdom, he described it as birth. And, you know, there could have been a lot of words and terms that he used, pictures that he used, you know, um, signing up or enlisting or joining um, or even converting, but he described it as being born. And, uh, and then the parallels really go from there in terms of, you know, we're born into a family. There's a whole process of growth and maturity that, that needs to happen. And so when I think of discipleship, now I, I, I split this, I, I parse this maybe a little bit finer, but it's just because it helps me understand it. So when I think about discipleship, I think about living a life of devotion to Jesus. So in, in my mind, discipleship is the lifestyle of a follower of Jesus. Um, and disciple making is passing on that way of life to the next generation. And Jesus has called us to both. He's called us, if as his people, he wants us to live these lives of devotion to him. But he also wants us to share that with others and to help the next generation uh, learn who Jesus is, learn how to follow him, and uh, learn how to share their faith with, uh, with others. And yet, I like your definition better. <laughs> it's actually good. I like that because, because you're right, because it is us with the Lord mm. and us with one another. Um, that's really beautiful. I think, I think most people resonate with that first one, which is like, well, yes, I, I do need to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, which is just kind of another way of saying discipleship, that when you're doing that, you're, you're living a life of discipleship. But the idea of, of passing on our faith or being directly involved with helping someone else can be very intimidating, or it may be something that many people have never even considered they're responsible for. Um, I listened to one of, one of the episodes from your podcast, Just Ask Your Mom, and you, you talked about how two, two cultural forces that, that prevent this maybe from happening is, one is we have this um, respect for experts. So we feel like if something's really important and really complex, leave it to the experts because, you know, we don't want to be in there. Like I would never perform surgery. <laughs> I just wouldn't take that on. I think sometimes we have that same mindset towards passing on the faith that it's very important and it's very complex. Therefore, surely God would not expect me to be involved in, in passing it on. So what do you, how have you dealt with that in your own life? And how do you help others who might be feeling that pressure? I think I was inoculated against it uh, when I began homeschooling. Uh, when you, when you, you know, uh, even in kindergarten, first grade, you realize like, okay, um, there are some best practices here, um, but it is actually something that I can do. Um, it was really hard 
and I was very clumsy with it in the beginning. And like anything that's um, new to you, um, it's hard until it's not. Right. That's what I always used to tell my kids in homeschooling when they would be frustrated learning something new. Well, it's only hard till it's not, you know. And so I think I learned that, you know, way back in 2005 when we first started homeschooling. And but yet when my kids were grown and I felt like, okay, now I can really start to pour into these young women that I'm meeting who have such high potential uh, in these parenting classes. My husband and I would teach. We'd see these young couples just so much potential. And, um, I was kind of scared. Mm. I was like, Oh, I was a little bit intimidated. I'd done it with my own children, um, a lot. And yet taking that step with someone who was maybe 15, 20 years younger than me, you know, but a grown adult, it felt a little scary. And so, um, yeah, while, while expert culture is important for some things, surgery, Yes. <laughs> Engineering. I, I yeah. would not want to work on a, um, a car engine or, you know, I cannot be a chemical engineer, but there's a lot of things in life that we can do. And for sure, one of those things is to help one another trust and follow Jesus. I mean, that's, it's by design. Like he's, he calls yes. us a body. He calls us a family. Um, a family culture is not expert culture. Family culture is commitment culture and covenant mm. culture. And so um, I would just say, you don't know, you don't have to be an expert. What I found was my daughter, who was maybe doing second grade work, could ha- help my son, who was a kindergartner, mm. um, even sometimes. So, sh- you know, you just have to be a couple of steps ahead sometimes of somebody else. And sometimes that's even better than being 30 steps ahead. Yes. There's some, there's some benefits to that. Yes, I, I, I tell younger folks that I'm discipling just that very point that I can, I can communicate something. So, you know, it's, it's myself discipling someone else. And then there's a third person that's maybe just coming into the community, just coming into the faith. And I try to communicate to this younger person that I'm discipling that this, this third person is going to receive things from me in a certain way, maybe even with a greater amount of deference because perhaps there's an age gap. Maybe I'm 20, 25 years older than this person. And so they're going to listen to me maybe at a different level than they listen to you. But when they see you reading your Bible, praying, sharing your faith, uh, making difficult choices to obey when it would be easier to to just take the easy way out um, and to, to fudge the numbers on something that hits in, in many ways more powerfully because sometimes when, when there's this big gap between myself and a mentor that I'm learning from, it can be hard for me to see how I could necessarily follow directly in their footsteps. But when there are people who are sort of in between the older mentor leader and where I'm at as a young disciple, well, I can kind of see the pathway or the trajectory, if that makes sense. It's almost like connecting the dots. Um, I can see the the next steps that I need to take. So, yeah, um, just being a few steps ahead is is qualifying in terms of sharing your faith with someone else. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... Um, I'm trying to decide where, where I want to, to go from here. 
Um, you know, what, what are some of the things that you look for as a, a mentor, as an older believer who's wanting to share your faith um, with a younger generation that, that the Lord has brought into your life? Yeah, I, I, have, a, I have a little um, rubric or filter that I use, but I will say at first um, that it's not just that I want to share my faith with younger people, it's that I am required to. So if I'm going to walk in obedience with Jesus, um, it, scripture clearly teaches that the older women are to teach the younger women, older men are to teach the younger men. And Paul even lists out, you know, here's some things I really want you to focus on. Teach them to respect their husbands, teach them how to run their home, teach them how to love their children and raise them. And so um, for me, it's fundamentally the, the initial impetus is obedience. And so whether I want to or not, that is something that I need to do. That being said, what fun. <laughs> this is one of the funnest <laughs> things that... Um, that I've ever experienced outside of, you know, my own little family of four when we were raising them. So what I do is Renew had a, a great tool to kind of help us um, when we were first learning, like, hey, what is discipleship? What, what are we even doing here? They said, well, you're just looking for people who are faithful, uh, available, teachable and reliable. Or you can do the acronym RAFT. So I'll do it that way. It's easier to remember. So are they reliable? Do they show up when they say they're going to show up? You know, do, do they, um, can you count on them that when they say something's going to happen, they, they actually make it happen. Hmm. Are they available? So we're super busy Yes. in America. And a lot of times we think that, hmm. um, we don't have any, uh, volition over our schedules that we're, we have to do all of these things. And one of the things that Bonnie hmm. and I say on our podcast all the time is moms put everything on the table. You're the grown up in the room. You can swipe it off if you find that it's not um, best for your family. It might be good, mm. but is there some, something better out there? So are they available? I've had young women call me and say, you know, will you come meet with me? I want to I want to get to know you and I want some help. And um, yes, the answer is always yes. And we start mm. to look at calendars. I had one just this fall. <laughs> Six weeks before we could meet for one meeting. Yeah, right. <laughs> which I was happy to give her, but that's not going to work. That's not discipleship. That's just a coffee right. meeting to give you some encouragement. So you got to mm. be available on a really regular basis, preferably weekly. Mm. So reliable, available, faithful. So yeah, I mean, faithful is similar to reliable, but you know, do they, um, if they know the Lord, do they try to put their beliefs into action? Um, if they don't know the Lord, are they a faithful friend? Are they, do they exhibit qualities of faithfulness, which is not just belief, right? I mean, even the demons believe, but they don't have faith. So it's kind of a belief put into action, kind of a quality. And then teachable. Um, I'm looking for teachable hearts. We always talked about this when I was raising my kids that um, you need to guard your heart and you don't want to be wise in your own eyes. Are they open to instruction? And I always call that the um, eager puppy look. <laughs> You'll know it when you see it. You see someone who's just so eager to learn. They're like this little puppy dog. Yep. <laughs> it's just like, yes, yes, I'm so excited. There's this energy there. So yes. that's what I'm looking for. Uh, mm. And 
Uh, my husband and I were seeing these couples again and again in our parenting classes. They, they, had, they had all these qualities. And through the years, we found more and more of them did not have their own parents mm-hmm. to play this role in their life. Um, whether that was because of divorce or an unhappy marriage that stayed intact. Uh, maybe they were unbelieving parents. Um, so many different reasons. But but at some point in the last, I don't know, maybe six or seven years, we hit a tipping point where that was more often the case than not. Right. So there was greater than half of the couples in our class who didn't have parents, which meant grandparents of their children, to really use as a resource to disciple them and, or they'd actually never been discipled by them or they didn't want to ask their mom, which is why we, right. why Bonnie and I started that podcast because they mm-hmm. couldn't ask their moms or they didn't want to ask their moms. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm looking for when I'm looking for somebody. Um, now you don't, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I do want to put out there a little caveat that we're not looking for superstars. We're looking for everyday people. And some of these qualities, maybe you see even as potential in them, Hmm. but you know, if they don't have, if they don't have the ability to show, show up regularly when they're going to say to you, if they're not, if they're not Hmm. available, it's probably just not going to work. Right. I think that's an important point that this isn't necessarily a a judgment, a, a moral judgment that's being passed. It's just, is this going to actually even work to, to pass on the faith and to be in a, mentoring relationship with this younger believer if they don't have these qualities or aren't willing to develop them. I do think you're right that we're we're busier than ever. And that's true for all of us, uh, whether we've been walking with the Lord for decades or whether we're in our early 20s and just trying to figure out marriage and family. Um, but the I think it's always been the case. If you look at Jesus, when he called people to follow him, I think he did that all the time and we only get certain insights or we only get certain vignettes of, of him calling someone to follow him. But in virtually every case, someone had to leave something in order to follow Jesus. So, you know, with the first disciples, they left their nets and they followed Jesus a little bit later when Matthew was called, he left his tax table to follow Jesus, John and James, they left their father uh, with the workers in the boat. And I think it's part of part of calling others into this life of discipleship that you, your picture of, you know, swiping the things off the table that that one of the big obstacles to discipleship these days is just we're over we're overcommitted with our schedule and, and we're not available. So I think it's good for us to have those four qualities uh, or those four areas in mind and then realize, like you said, we're not looking for someone that's necessarily got it all figured out to start, but someone who's, who's willing to develop and, and to, uh, to make themselves available. Absolutely. And, and you will find them. I mean, you will, you will find them more and more. I think this is the way forward for the church. Um, a, a lot of young families that we talk to realize, um, we got to get smaller. We got to get smaller and smaller and smaller because we are standing um, within a culture that is is actively discipling us in ways that are very counter to the ways of Jesus. And so we're going to have to be more and more intentional 
with our time and our friendships and our extracurricular activities, if we're going to hit a tipping point where we've got more face time with the, with the people that are really going to pour into us in good ways than with the world. Mm. It's quality time, but it's also quantity. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you know, children need both. Children need quality time with you, but they also just need quantity time. Right. They just need to be with you. I can't remember who said this recently, but they, they basically said that the, the, the birthing place of quality time is quantity time. So you, you can't just every time you can't just say, I'm going to get to with my children X amount of times and it's, it's all going to be quality. It's just not the way life works. So, Amen. <laughs> so I agree that we just have to have, you know, in sports, it's, you know, if you're playing soccer, it's, it's how many shots on goal you're going to, if you don't get very many shots attempted, you, you're probably not going to score very many goals. It's just the way, it's just the way life works. Mm-hmm. Um, so could you share a little bit more about your and David's? So where do you tend to meet these? I'd love to hear more about just your personal everyday weekend, week out uh, life there and ministry. Where are you finding yourself meeting younger folks who want to learn and who want to spend time with you and be discipled? Well, we, we mostly are finding them within our local church. I mean, I think anybody listening to this or watching this can just could, could say the same, like that we're all, this journey never ends. <laughs> when, am, when am I done needing to be discipled? <laughs> never. So we, we, you will always have people available. Um, that being said for us, because our ministry was so much in parenting, and families, that's what we found. And we thought, okay, let's take the five. Who were your five from that class? And I would say my five and pretty much just matched up. And we're like, all right, you take the husbands, I'll take the wives. Hmm. And then we'll bring them all together as well. And so, um, but I think best practices is also um, inviting someone who doesn't know the Lord and you have to be out in the world <laughs> to, to find someone typically they're not coming to our churches. And so right. one of the, uh, renew has a great, um, leader, Scott, I just printed it off in light of this conversation. I, I've, I've seen this in other forms through the years, but this, uh, leader's guide for the real life theology handbook kind of says as much. They said, you really want people in all stages of development. They, they draw mm-hmm. a wheel mm-hmm. and you, from not born again, all the way, you know, all the way around. And you want to start with somebody being your apprentice. So maybe someone you think, okay, this person's got really great potential and probably in about 12 months in this process, I could um, turn them loose to go do their own, their own group, which is kind of moving away from the question you asked, where do you find? But I, I think really, who do you like to be around? Like, don't make it hard on yourself. These were delightful young couples who we had, I think 12 or 14 weeks with every week. Mm -hmm. We saw they mostly came most all class times, you know, Mm -hmm. to the parenting class. They'd stop us afterwards. They'd ask Mm -hmm. us questions. We could see that look in their eye. Um, there was the eager puppy look. There was the sheer terror. (laughs) Look, (laughs) I'm like, you got to help me with this parenting thing. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so there was a lot of hunger there to learn that teachable heart. And so, um, we just went from there. We just said, okay, let's give this a try. And, um, 
I, I think I said in the talk you came to listen to, uh, Andrew, uh, an ounce of obedience is worth a pound of theology. And yeah. we just kind of took that to heart and just said, let's give it a try. Um, instead of trying to dump a bunch of information in our brains and, and know everything about the process, let's just go learn as we go. And so we took those people from, from our class at church. And now, now we call them dear friends, like for life, they're going to be our dear friends, mm -hmm. even as we move into maybe a new discipleship group. Yeah. How does that work for you all? Uh, so my own background is that I've, a lot of my life has been in the military community. And so there's, there's always coming and going uh, as folks are being moved around from, from one assignment to the next. Um, we're now, my wife and I have now moved into a place where we're in more of a static community. Um, and it's, it's great, but it's, it's completely different. You know, we, the, the church we're a part of has people that have been there for 30 years plus 30 plus years, which is mind blowing to me, um, because it just hasn't been our experience. But as, as someone who, who has had more of an experience in that type of setting, how does it look to graduate people, so to speak? You know, you just talked about, Hey, in 12 months, th we can sort of cut them loose, but how do you do that when, is there, is, is that a challenge to, to get people to kind of step out from under, uh, your tutoring and your leadership and, and how do you address that? Yes. It's really <laughs> hard because you grow to become like dear friends, dear, dear mm -hmm. friends. And I'm just in the process of, kind of releasing that first group, um, who I'm not going to turn completely loose. I'll be honest. We're going to still, um, have an, have them in our home once a month because they are, and we're going to do play play dates in my backyard. Like we have before and go swimming and that kind of thing, because there are people now mm -hmm. that being said, um, we're, I think we're about three to four years in with this first group, which is a little bit long. Mm -hmm. in the numbers, I think you can do what you, what you are sensing God wants you to do with a group. But, um, I do think that you will do better if you start with an apprentice that, who can be like your co-leader. Like when you can't be there, if you're sick, you already have somebody who can lead it, which I would do. I would, as I got to know them, I would say, Hey, I'm not gonna be able to be there. I want y'all to meet you run it. My husband mm -hmm. would do the same thing with the men. We're going to be traveling. Uh, I want you to meet, you got, you per, this person run it. Um, also though, having a set amount of time helps people say yes. So, right. you know, um, which we did, we said 12 months and then at the end of the 12 months, we looked at each other and we're like, we feel like we're just getting started here. Like mm -hmm. we feel like there's a lot more to go. And so I gave everyone the ability to say, I'm done right. or I would like to continue. And a couple stepped away. Mm -hmm. which is great because they did the 12 month commitment right. and then we took on um, some new ones. And then every, at the end of every year, we, we kind of re up and say, would you like to continue on? But after three to four times of that, I really do think it's time for me to push the little chicks out of the nest right. and say, and some of them are already like having a group in their homes of young, of young moms. And they're already starting to do that um, mm. themselves uh, mm -hmm. with maybe a co-leader. So when you say that from the beginning, it's feelings are hurt less because mm -hmm. uh, you're right. Military community. I'm like, Oh, built in rotation. That actually <laughs> sounds great on some levels because it's really hard to stop meeting yeah. with people that you love, but you know that 
um, things change, seasons of life change, and um, group dynamics change. So it's good to kind of do a refresh. I really agree with that wisdom, and I, I appreciate you sharing. That those are some practical mechanics, I think. I do really like the idea of building in a, an, a, a, a deadline, so to speak, even if it's just arbitrary, 12 months. There's nothing magical about that. Yeah. Um, but it's sort of from day one. I think Jesus did that when he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It may not have been uh, a quantitative amount of time, but it was from the very beginning, following him was going to lead to um, a, a different state of being that it, they weren't just following him indefinitely. Um, he was, they were going to follow him for a period of time and then they were going to actually join him in his work. You know, he was fishing for men in that story and, and they were going to become like him in that sense. And then, like you said, there's, it gives you a chance to have an off ramp for people um, whether that's because they just um, aren't wanting to move forward at the same rate or because they got it, they're ready to go out and actually take that and offer it to someone else. It's, it's good to have that. Um, I think that is a, a challenge. Uh, you know, one, one thing that we talked about is just how family is such a great parallel to this, this ministry of disciple making. And I think if, if the more you, you reflect on it, um, the more insightful and helpful it can it can be, and I, I think this is one of the dynamics of of spiritual parenting or, or um, passing on the faith to the next generation. Is you're always going to have a, a a part to play, like even with your children, you, you've got some grandchildren now. You're still part of your your children's lives, and you're part of their children, of course, as a grandparent. But it is different. Like you're wanting them to step out and and really create their own family and not necessarily still be living under your roof <laughs> um, because that's part of healthy maturity. And it's, I think it's very similar spiritually that we want people to come into their own, so to speak, which doesn't mean we're completely out of the picture. It just, the dynamic changes. It does. It does. And, and so I'm in one of the, one of the, I guess I didn't really go into the process of how you kind of, what you do with the group, but the very beginning, um, is prayer and fasting. I mean, that's best practices for, you know, so many parts of our lives. And so if you're not sure who to ask, I would just say, ask God, bring me, show me the people you want to bring to me and then just sit and listen. And I, I did that the other day. I just was like, okay, who's next? And I prayed, I'm in the middle of a fast new year's fast with a group of us. And I just, it was kind of like taking dictation. This person's name came to mind and this person's name and then this person's face. And I couldn't remember their name, but I was like, okay, make a note and find out who that is. And, and then maybe ask some of them if they have someone in their life that doesn't know the Lord, um, that does, that might could be a part of it. Um, I think that would, that would bring my first group has not had that, um, of young moms. And I think that would bring a really cool dynamic, mm. uh, because, uh, sharing your faith fresh to someone with fresh eyes and fresh questions. Um, just hmm. it helps, it helps us, but it also brings us joy. I, I mean, it's, there's so much joy. One, my best friend from childhood, that's kind of her main hmm. focus. Um, she lives in the Nashville area. She works with Chinese students who come to Vanderbilt to study. 
And she's like, nothing brings me more joy than to tell someone about Jesus who's never heard of them. And I'm just in awe of her. They have a million questions, <laughs> a million <laughs> questions. And um, yeah, she doesn't have all the answers. They go looking together. And, and so her group is predominantly uh, people who don't know Jesus. And then maybe maybe one or two who do, which is a real different flavor. But I would just encourage people. That's probably a gap in my first experience. I just kind of took people who knew, knew the Lord in various stages of maturity. And we didn't have that very beginning born hmm. again, you know, not or, or not right. born again, meaning to be born again. Um, but but yeah, hmm. there's so many cool things you can do with um, with your group. But can I go into best practices for that? Please. Because I yeah. think that, again, I thought about discipleship because of my upbringing as um, mostly content transfer, mm -hmm. <laughs> like dump some knowledge in the brain. We're brains on a stick, right? That's how Westerners think of ourselves a lot. Like we just cram enough information in there. We'll be transformed. Hmm. And while there is an element of that, um, I've got a, the circle here. That's super helpful. You, they suggest, and I, I would say I've, found this to be true that you do at least three times a month because if you're meeting weekly of learning so there's some content you're going through um and then you are also eating together serving together and then resting or sabbathing um together and maybe not every single week like we ate once a month together we maybe served once a quarter together um and then we would do like a retreat uh, mm -hmm. Maybe just an overnight uh, retreat. One year we even just did it here because of at my house because it was like a big sleepover. <laughs> it's so fun because it was like hard for people to get away. And so we just decided to stay in town and the yeah. guys took the kids. So, um, so you want this, basically what you want to do is you want to do life together, right? And so again, I just say, do what you love. And, you know, I love to cook. So I'm, a date night for my people was one of the things we were going to do, we, but we were going to be intentional with the date night. I was going to cook the food and it was going to be elaborate because that's what I wanted to do. You don't have to do that. Mm. Um, and they got a sitter and we would have dinner. Yes. And have a lot of fun. But then at the end we would um, pray over one another and say like how we're really actually doing, you know, you, you came prepared to really mm. say, Hey, here's how our marriage really is. Here's how I really am. And then we're going to pray over you. Um, and that was a way to just combine some intentionality with something I love to do anyway, which was having people into my, our home. Um, serving can be as simple as making cards, you know, with the, with the children um, for a nursing home or going to serve at um, like the local food pantry or at the church somehow. Just some sort of service where we kind of get out and, and, your group members well, a lot of times have some sort of passion. You know, one of our moms is really passionate about helping people at the holidays and she, her boys will raise money and they'll buy mm -hmm. um, household goods and, and she'll just involve not only our group, but other people. So um, allowing the people in the group who have different giftings to kind of drive some of that is also good because you're, again, you're pushing it to them and they're taking it. So mm -hmm. um, learning, eating, serving, and resting together. It's important. I hear you saying that you want to identify the right people. So you're praying and fasting and you're 
you're just being alert to the, the folks that the Lord is already bringing into your life. Um, you also want to create, I guess I would just say rhythms where you have regular time together, mm-hmm. weekly, as, as a group, as a community. And then these four things that you just mentioned in the circle, in terms of when you're together with those people, mm-hmm. you know, these are four ways of being together and, and sharing life together. So maybe just recap those four again. Yeah. So learning. So uh, the Real Life Theology Handbook is a great place to start if you're not sure where to start. Um, that was not available years ago mm-hmm. when I started doing this. And so um, so I we did something else. I, could, I just asked them, what do you want to do? And they're right. like, we need to learn boundaries. So we did the boundaries book by Henry Cloud and Townsend, I think, is the authors. Yep. Um, and, um, and actually let me just put a pin in that for a second and say, prior to diving into the learning, one of the best practices that Renew taught me was to do a testimony when you first get together with your group. So you kind of model this as the leader and you tell them, this is what we're going to do to get to know one another. It's going to give you in a couple of three weeks, what six months of meeting together would have given you when you do this practice. It so advances your intimacy mm. and helps you understand where people are coming from. You basically just draw your a, a, a line on a piece of paper and divide the line into decades. And you just chart four to five places mm. where you've had um, critical things happen in your life. And if you're walking with Jesus, you are supposed to um, add how you saw God work in that moment or through that situation. If you're not walking with Jesus, you can guess maybe how God was there or you can Mm -hmm. take a pass on that, but you model it, you do it for 30 minutes set to keep it tight because we can't go on for hours here or we're going to be meeting for the first two months with testimonies. And then you, you pick two people and say, okay, next week, you, you, I want your testimonies and They'll go 30 minutes, 30 minutes. And we just, it's just like kind of this wow um, moment. You you find out hmm. significant hurts in people's past, woundings. Um, yes. You find um, beautiful, um, happy God moments as well. And uh, it just helps you. It just helps you understand one another. Okay, so I haven't done this practice, but you shared this actually on the stage, I think, in Nashville, and I was super intrigued, so I'm glad that you brought it up here today. So just so I understand, you're getting together for the first time, and you've already alerted people that, hey, this is part of what we're going to be doing when we get together. You actually carve out 30 minutes during that time together. Everyone separates. They've got their piece of paper, and they're they're mapping their life on this timeline. Nope. You do it when you're at home, and you okay. come prepared. You so prepared. before you show you up, gotta, on, yeah, you got to think about it. It's, it's okay. kind of heavy and, and depending on your faith background, you know, um, you may be comfortable with a testimony, you know, mm-hmm. your church may have been like, Hey, you need a five minute testimony, a two minute right. testimony, a 30 minute testimony. But if you're, if you're not, this is a new thing for you. And mm-hmm. so I, I would never spring it on somebody. I, I just said, I'm going to model it. Okay. And then I'm going to release you this week and you're all going to have to do it. So if you want to go ahead and start, but I would just say ahead of time, go home, you and you come back next week prepared to do it. 
Okay. And then you and you and you and you, and we had a pretty, we had too big of a group probably, but again, I was new. We had like eight or nine women. So that was, that was several weeks, probably four or five weeks. Every week that follows on those two folks are actually sharing. They've got 30 Mm -hmm. minutes to share the, Mm -hmm. their story that they've taken the time to, to map out. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, let me just say, this was when they had babes in arms and preschoolers. So we met at the church where a hall could be closed off at both ends. And the kids were literally running up and down the hall while we were meeting in the room. I mean, it, it's not ideal, but again, um, actually doing it is better than having the perfect oh, yeah. <laughs> environment to do it in. That's right. So that's what we did. Now, you know, this many years down the road, most of those kids are in school. So, you know, meetings are, are different, but yeah, that was how we started. And then we moved into the boundaries book and, um, and went from there, but that's the learning part. You want me to finish out the others? Yeah, please. Okay. So the eating together, that can be simple, simple, meet at a restaurant or whatever. For me, I wanted it to be, I, I, I wanted to bless them with a date night because I remember it was expensive to go on dates when we were young and we couldn't, we could either pay a sitter and then just go out and talk somewhere or we could have free babysitting and actually go on a date. So I remember those days. So we wanted to bless them with like a free, but really nice dinner. Um, and, and so we would do that and again, but we would finish in prayer and it would be, I mean, it was, they wanted to stay out. They're young. They, they come and they're like, here at five 30, stay till like nine, nine 30. I'm like, okay, y'all I'm tired. I need to go to bed. Yeah. So it was a big fun night. People were excited to come. We'd book out, you know, several months in advance. So people had it on their calendar. So that's the eating part. Serving is just wherever you want to, wherever you want to serve. I mean, it can be a local, um, community, mm-hmm kind of a place, or it can be in your own church. Again, what are you passionate about? What are the people in your group passionate about? It's always great to pass off responsibility. So Mm -hmm. you could have one of your group members say, Hey, I want to, I'll figure it out and, and we'll go there. And then, um, the last one is, Oh, 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 Mm -hmm. resting, Sabbathing together. So one of the things I've just started doing is, um, I take my Sabbath in the middle of the week. Cause mm-hmm. Sunday's not really restful for my husband and I, we teach and we have lunch obligations and we're going, going. So mm-hmm. uh, middle of the week for me, Wednesday is a Sabbath. And uh, Bonnie and I recently interviewed a bunch of grandmothers and great grandmothers for our podcast. And one of the things that kept coming up was Sabbath. Like Sunday was Sabbath when they were young. Mm-hmm. And I mean, everything stopped. You just went home from church you sat out in the yard in your chairs, hmm. you had lunch and everybody hung out. Literally everybody just hung out. And so I took their wisdom and said, okay, I'm going to open my kitchen um, on Wednesday mornings. And I'm just letting these, I'm casting a broad net, young women, middle-aged women, older women, I mean, I'm sending out text invitations to all of them and I'm saying we're going to Sabbath together. But you know who shows up with regularity is my discipleship group because I'm already in their lives and we're already meeting. And so they are they are here. So that's that's part of a new way of Sabbathing. And it's kind of working really well. I'm like, I'm not even making you coffee. The Nespresso (laughs) machines right here. You can 
come in, make yourself a cup of tea, make a cup of coffee. It's not an entertaining thing. There's no biscuits. There's no donuts. It's literally the bonus room upstairs is available for your children. Um, If they're little and need to be around us, they can just be at our feet. We're just resting together. There's no agenda. Just come and enjoy some fellowship. Oh, Hmm. my goodness. It's so needed. Hmm. I need it. My husband was telling me last year, he's like, Renee, you never Sabbath. Like you, ha- you do something every single day of the week. And he's like, I'm concerned about that. And so in order to respect my husband, which could be a whole nother podcast <laughs> to listen and not discount the wise advice of your husband. Um, I was like, okay, how am I going to help, um, help myself have the discipline to stop and rest? And I thought, well, if I have to be here available to open my front door when somebody walks in, I'll just be here. If, right. And so, uh, so it's every Wednesday and that's the rest portion of it. And so I would just say, get creative, ask God, like, how can, how can I build this and put this together? Um, hopefully all the ideas I throw out today are not, you have to do it this way. Don't hear it that right. way. It's just, you can be this way. And it, but it can also be your way. There's so God's infinitely creative. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely what I'm hearing as we walk through some of the practices and principles of making disciples and sharing your faith and and mentoring others is that it, it is an adventure and the path is going to reveal itself as you move forward. And so I hope, I hope folks are encouraged that they're surrounded by opportunities, they're surrounded by needs, and especially if you've been walking with Jesus for a little while, there are younger believers who need the encouragement and the involvement of your life with them. And there's, there's so many ways to do it. Um, you're going to get better as you do it, but you have to, you have to start, you have to actually begin reaching out and initiating and, um, learning as you go. And, and the Lord will, I, I think the Lord delights in using us in our, um, inexperience and in our, you know, the, Perfection is the enemy of progress. And I think that is very true when it comes to making disciples and, and sharing our faith. So, but it's helpful to have some ideas of where to start. And I, I think you've, you've given us a lot of those. So I appreciate it. One other last idea I will say is if you're nervous, invite a friend, which is exactly what I did. I was scared to do it by myself. And so I invited my friend, Bonnie, and I said, will you come be like my co-leader? And, yeah. um, and she did And 12 months in, she's like, you don't need me. I'm out of here. Peace <laughs> out. See you later. And so, uh, she did after one year off, she went. And so it was, but that was great fun. Like I was so enjoyed seeing my dear friend once a week who doesn't love mm-hmm. to see, you know, we need to see more of each other, not less of each other. So invite a friend. It's fine. It's fun. Yeah. Well, Renee, if, if folks want to connect with you, is it the podcast? What's the best way for folks to, to learn more about what you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. So I've got, um, I'm always kind of surprised where the content is because <laughs> most of my stuff, when I do it, I'm like, yep, just use it however you'd like. So you can find me on discipleship.org. There's some content on there, renew.org. I've got a ton of articles on there and some, some audio or video content. Um, JustAskYourMom.com is our podcast website, and Just Ask Your Mom is our podcast. You can find it on Spotify, Apple, lots of different platforms, and um, and that's a fun one. You can and you can go 
look and there's some, uh, there's something for everybody from babies to teens and adult children. And like I said, even grandparents, we hope that, um, that's fulfilling in a kind of a fun, creative way that Titus two instruction to, for the older women to instruct the younger women. We say, um, we've learned some lessons and made some mistakes in our times as mothers. And so we just want to be, um, as transparent as possible and, um, and encourage, we call ourselves cheerleaders cheering on that younger generation. Well, I appreciate you coming on today and being a cheerleader, especially on this topic. I do think, you know, even as we were talking, there were, there were several, uh, trails I would have loved to have, have gone down and maybe we can do that in a, a future conversation, but thank you so much for uh, coming on the day and sharing with us. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. 